here, whether you are here in person or you're on live stream, it is so great that you are joining us. Hey, I have a few announcements here quickly this morning. First off, grad night is tonight. Uh, we have seven, uh, seven graduates we are honoring. Uh, congratulations to those graduates. You've, re- you've ta- like made it through this really tough stretch and we are so glad to, uh, to honor you guys tonight in person. So if you want to come join us, it's here in the auditorium at 7 o'clock tonight. We'd love to have you. Um, also, there's VBS. It's going to be happening at the end of July. And so make sure you check out details on that online. You can talk with our uh, children's pastor, Kristen, is here. Also, we have a few other announcements. Nursery is going to be starting up again next week. So uh, for those that are uh, in the nursery uh, under the age of two, it will be available for you this coming week. In a week, we're going to have a garage sale or a couple weeks here on July 10th. We're going to start taking collections this next week. But this is going to be for our student ministry for our mission trip in 2021 now. It got postponed, bumped back a year to Jamaica. Um, But we are also going to be having uh, a mission trip this year for our uh, high school and college-age students. So come talk to me afterwards. I'd love to give you more details about those things. I also want to mention that if you are at home right now, we're going to be having communion later. And I would encourage you to go and get some things that you can participate in communion with us. Um, It could be whatever that you have available, but it's an important part of the time we have here. And so I just wanted to remind you to go get those things right now if you could. Also, uh, we're going to have offering. Offering can be in, in three different ways. You can, you can, we have some places here that you can, uh, you can graciously give offering. Uh, you can go online. You can bring it in in person during the week. Any of those work.
are invited to stand with us right now as we continue on our worship service.
to people around you. If you're at home, you can give them a high five.
You know, this morning when I was coming to church, I, um, I was driving, and there was this big group of bicyclers who were all together. And I normally, I'll, I'll see them all the time on Metcalf periodically, but this was one big group, and they obviously had a leader who was uh, just kind of right ahead, seemed super chipper and happy, and they were all doing well. And then I drive about a mile up, farther, closer up to the church, and there was one more person who was there. And they were pedaling furiously, trying to catch up. And I don't know the reason. I don't know if they woke up late and were behind. I don't know if they struggled. But they were obviously behind. You ever have these moments where you just feel alone? Like you just can't catch up. I do. Those moments where we struggle and we just... We wish we could be like everybody else in this way or that way or we just envision these things in our head of who we could be and, and we just don't seem to measure up. And when we take communion, it reminds me of something. It's really not about what we do. It's not about, there's no placement that we have to make. We don't have to be first place. But what we do have to do is continue to put our trust and our faith in Jesus and to walk in faith in that way. And communion, communion reminds us that it's not about what we do, but it's about what Jesus has done. He has taken our place. He has paid the penalty and we get the reward. We're gonna be singing a song uh, next that it's just, it's a beautiful song, I love it. It's one of my favorites. And there's this part, the lyrics say this, hallelujah, we're redeemed and made free. By the blood of the lamb, we have won. Hallelujah. We will sing victory. Jesus conquered the grave. God be praised. It's so easy to get caught up, I think right now, into so many other things. But all that's important, that really is important, can be celebrated right now in communion. And I am so thankful for that. We're gonna sing this song and I encourage you to worship in whatever way you feel comfortable, just thanking God. Raise your hand, stand up, kneel down, sit down, I don't care, but I want you to sing to God and communicate to him during this time as we sing. Love 
Good morning, Southwoods. It's good to see you in person and live stream, and we're thrilled that you're with us today, and um, it's a blessing just to be together. Man stopped uh, to watch a Little League baseball game a few years ago. Uh, he asked one of the youngsters what the score was, and the young boy responded by saying, we're losing, 18 to nothing. Uh, the man said, uh, I, you don't appear to be very discouraged. The little boy responded, said, discouraged? Uh, why, why should we be discouraged? We haven't even gotten up to bat yet. <laughs> you got to love the naive optimism of an eight-year-old, right? You got to love that. You got to love that. In fact, right now, there are lots of adults all over America, all over the world, for that matter, who are wishing they had a little more naive optimism. Right now, we turn on the news, we watch what's going on in our world, and it seems... We keep watching our world go from bad to worse. Uh, it's starting to feel like we're down 18 to nothing, and you wonder, can we come back from this? 
Uh, we just think the virus, the economy, uh, all the divisions, uh, on and on, you know, the list goes. We all just wonder, is all this going to turn out okay? I mean, how, how do we come back from this is going through people's minds. And because it's going through their minds, their personal discouragement meter is just climbing, or maybe I should say sinking, you know, day by day by day. And so to help us all process this from a biblical perspective, we started a message series that we're in. We've been in it for several weeks. Help me clear my head. We started that a few weeks ago. If you missed some of the messages, would encourage you to, uh, to go back and listen to some of them, not because uh, they're so great. It's just, it's biblical. And we need to think with a biblical worldview, biblically minded, and it doesn't come naturally to any of us. But we've been in this series. We started on this path because peace in our land, peace in our lives, uh, and our culture depends on you and me thinking sane, clear, virtuous thoughts. And all you have to do is look around you and, th- and realize, you know, that ain't going to happen unless you and I are intentional about it. We have to learn to think clear, sane, virtuously. And thankfully, God does help us with that. Today, we're going to continue the series we've been in, talk for a few minutes about four biblical beliefs that have helped God's people maintain hope as they were going through discouraging times. Four biblical beliefs that for centuries have helped God's people maintain hope as they were going through discouraging times. And embracing these biblical beliefs is essential. This is not an optional thing that we're going to talk about for the next, for the next few minutes. We're going, to, we're going to talk about a biblical worldview that if you don't get this, I mean, everything that's going on in our world from this day till Jesus comes is going to confuse you and it will leave you wondering, where is God? What is he up to? How do I deal with this? Very discouraged, very despondent. Some of you will fall away because you do not get this. If you don't listen carefully today, you're in trouble. I made my point. This is very important. When I say essential, put it in all caps that we get the concepts that we're going to talk about today. They're foundational to staying positive, hopeful, faith-filled, loving, etc. in a world that at times seems like it's coming unhinged. So if you listen close, um, this I think will really bless your life and help you to make sense of the world around us. So let me just say, as I, before I dive in, uh, this is going to be a particularly Bible-heavy message. What do, you, what do you mean by that, Greg? I mean, I'm going to use a lot of Scripture today. And, and so here's, here's what I need from you. Take a piece of paper if you've got one. If you don't, uh, take your phone and you can jot these down on a note, like a note app or something. You need to write some of these passages down because you need to live with these passages, not just as I say them, but in the days ahead. It's very important for us. You don't need, and by Bible-heavy, I mean... I'm not going to just tell lots and lots of, like, nostalgic, whimsical stories today. It's just not that kind of message. But you will hear many scriptures that are foundational to your emotional, spiritual, relational health and well-being. And so my invitation is to you to write these things down and because uh, you want to remember the worldview that they shape and create in all who hear them if they're listening to what God is saying to us. Let's get started. The first biblical belief that each of us needs to embrace is this. Belief number one, I am a foreigner on earth. Is this how the world thinks? I'm a foreigner 
on earth. This is how we have to think. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are, practically speaking, a foreigner here on earth. Listen to a couple of passages of Scripture. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 17 says this, Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time, notice how it says, as foreigners here in reverent Fear. The passage is just trying to convey this idea that you and I are temporary residents here. We're from another place, different values, different language where we've come from, a whole different worldview, a different king. And our king, notice what it says in verse 17, our king, you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially. Is that how the world lives? No. People in our world show favoritism based on skin color or economics or heritage where you grew up or all long list of different things. But our kingdom is different. It is defined by a king, a God, a father who judges impersonally and guess what expects us to as well. And the trickle down effect of that is just a reminder from scripture that you're a foreigner here. You're a foreigner here. You need to think this way. Look at another passage. After describing the lives of Noah, great men and women of God, Noah and Abraham and Sarah and others like them, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13 says this. All these people and these others that we're not mentioning at the moment, we can go back and read Hebrews 11 and it does mention. All these people died having faith. They did not receive the things that were promised, yet they saw them in the distant future and welcomed them, acknowledging that they were strangers and notice foreigners here on earth. Now, we could read many other passages like this if we wanted to take the time this morning, but I thought two made the point. I want to ask you if this is true, which it is according to Scripture, so biblical worldview, do you ever think of yourself as a foreigner and when do you ever think that way? you ever think of yourself as a foreigner to the life that you're now experiencing? That you're sort of out of place? You're a temporary resident here. I mean, do those kinds of thoughts kind of ricochet around in your mind at times? Now, maybe some of us sit and kind of say, you know, sometimes I watch the news and I feel out of place. I, you know, this is why. Because you are. You are. You're a foreigner here. Old spiritual song used to say, this world is not my home. I'm only passing through. You remember the song, a few of you? If you're a follower of Jesus, if you want to cling to your faith and fight off discouragement when life gets messy, as you watch strange things go on in our culture that we're out of control of, friends. I mean, we're out of control. You already know that. But when you watch all that happen, you have to understand. It's important we remember you're a foreigner here. Accept it not as a concept. It's reality. It's reality. You're a foreigner here. And that belief prepares the way for a second biblical belief that each of us needs to embrace. And that's this. I'm not just a foreigner on earth. I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm a citizen of heaven. Philippians 3 verse 20 says this. We're citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we're eagerly waiting for him to return as our savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own using the same power with which he will bring everything 
under his control. This is a rich, rich passage that just conveys the idea that Jesus is king of, the, of, of heaven. He is the king of all things, all authority. If we had time, we could read you know, Matthew 28. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, Jesus himself says. Scriptures tell us that, that every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess in heaven and on earth and under the earth. I mean, he is, he is the soon to be undisputed king of all things visible and invisible. He's your king. If you're a believer, we're temporary residents here, but permanent citizens of the kingdom of heaven. In light of that fact, scriptures say a lot of things. First John chapter one, verse first uh, John chapter two, verse 15 and following tells us this. It says, don't love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and our possessions. And these are not from the Father, Scripture says. Hear that. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world, what's it say? Is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who pleases, anyone who does what pleases God will live how long? Forever. Forever, the passage says. These passages and others like them are just trying to help us understand that since we're citizens of heaven, we should live as though this world is not our home. I mean, we're to live according to the values, the standards, the expectations, the behavior patterns of our Heavenly Father, the King of Kings, and not just how everybody else lives. Not just how I want. In fact, I should live according to His values and standards. So I just want to ask you, are you endeavoring to live as one might expect from a citizen of heaven? Are you seeking to set aside time on a regular basis each week so that you can have the, you know, the thoughts of heaven sort of replenish your mind, your soul, your thoughts? Are you setting aside that kind of time? Because you're not a citizen of this earth. You're a citizen of places this book describes as heaven. Paints a picture of and who the king is and how, the, how he expects his citizens to behave and live and so forth and you want to cling to your faith, if you want to fend off, fight off discouragement when life gets challenging, it's important that you and I remember. We've got to embrace this whole idea that I'm a foreigner on earth and I'm a citizen of heaven, which brings us to a third biblical belief that each of us needs to embrace if we're going to stay positive, if we're going to stay hopeful, if we're going to stay faith-filled and loving like God would wish for us to, to be. The third belief is this. I will suffer some hardship. Now, I recognize what's going through everybody's mind right at this moment. You're thinking to yourself, I thought this was supposed to be about defeating discouragement. I mean, how is that belief going to help me be less discouraged and more hope-filled? I get that that's how it goes through our minds, because this goes through mine at times, too. Hear this. Many struggle with discouragement. Many people in our culture struggle with discouragement because we have unrealistic expectations of what life in a world of deceit and self-interest is going to be like. 
Our lack of clarity about reality sets us up for discouragement. We forget this is not Disney World where we happen to live, where everything is wonderful and everyone is nice. Now, we've been fed that kind of stuff for a generation or more. That in the world, utopia is coming. Everything's wonderful. Everyone's nice. Note to self, that's a lie. That itself is deception. That many of us who are followers of God have just believed and bought it hook, line, and sinker. And so now we're discouraged. Why? Because because we have a lack of clarity fundamentally about the world in which we live and what's really going on here. We've forgotten that evil is real and that not everybody is good, including me sometimes. We've gotten fuzzy on this. But God wants us to understand from Scripture. I mean, whether we want to hear it or not, Scripture is, is expressly clear. It's very clear that in a world of deceit and self-interest, I should expect to encounter hardship, difficulty, suffering sometimes. Here's what the Bible says our expectation of this life should be. Just listen. You don't need my opinion on this. Listen to what the Bible says. You tell me how this sounds. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1 says this, Since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude he had. You remember the attitude, Philippians 2, 5? Attitude of humility. Arm yourself with the same attitude he had and what? You be ready to suffer too. How many of you have chosen 1 Peter 4 verse 1 as your favorite life verse? <laughs> Probably none of you. Some of you are saying, is that really in the Bible? Because you're, you're like, where'd that come from? Where'd, I've never read that. No, you've read it. You just, it didn't fit the worldview that we've been spoon fed and swallowed hook, line, and sinker for generations. If you don't like what that passage says, listen to Jesus. John chapter 16, verse 33 says, Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, he says. But take heart because I have overcome the world. That word trials, the original Greek word could be translated trials, troubles, tribulations. All these things. It's just, it's just saying this. These are two of many passages in Scripture like them. And God wants us to understand that you and I should expect to suffer some hardship in a world that has deceit and self-interest often governing it. To think otherwise simply is a denial of reality. It sets us, ourselves up for disappointment with God, with others, with society, with all kinds of people and things. And that belief, that denial of reality is the source of much of the discouragement and hopelessness that afflicts our present generation. We need smack ourselves and kind of say, this is not Disney World. This is not Disney World. I always think of Jesus' words there. It's interesting. He could have just said, you'll have sorrows. You'll have trials. But he even says, you'll have many. Which is a little troubling if you think about it. They're simply part of what it means to live, hear me, 
in this foreign land. This just illustrates the extent to which we have not recognized that I'm a foreigner here on earth and that in fact, I'm a citizen of heaven, another place, expected by God to live according to different values and standards, patterns, and how the world around me lives. And if I follow him in that, guess what? It is going to produce friction. It is. Accept it. Accept it. Having said that, though, let me draw your attention to another expectation, another belief that you and I who are trying to follow Jesus should embrace. And this fourth belief is this. With God's help, I will prevail. With God's help, I will prevail. I mean, write this passage down in the next couple that I mentioned because these are pivotal passages. They're really important. Every one of us needs to be familiar with them. But Isaiah chapter 40 says this, starting in verse 28. It's just a classic rich passage. Some of you are familiar with it. It says, have you never heard, have you never understood the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth? He never grows weary or weak or weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fail in exhaustion, fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. In the new world order, the kingdom of the citizen, you're a citizen of the heavenly world. Strength is not dependent upon youth or the resources that you have at your disposal economically or other things. Strength is, is dependent upon what? It's, it's upon the Lord. And even those who grow weak and weary and exhausted and those who fall will find new strength, the passages say. It's the promise of God. God will give new strength to his weak and weary children. And it was that strength that made it possible for the Apostle Paul to share these words. These are just amazing words. Just write this down. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Then we're going to skip down to verses 16 and 18. But, but Paul writes these words because of the strength of God filling his life. He says, we are pressed on every side by troubles, we are uh, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed, he says. And he says, that's why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles, listen to this worldview. Our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. I mean, your lifespan is not 70 years or even 80 years if you happen to have strength and good health. Your lifespan is eternal, friends. 
And the promise of Scripture is that soon the things we see now will be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. The Bible's just repeatedly trying to convey to us this whole understanding with God's help. Even though we're in a place that's not our home, even though we're citizens of another kingdom, even though there's hardship and difficulty that comes into our lives, with God's help, I can and will prevail. Everything will be okay with me, not because all of the circumstances of my life are perfect, because they will never be perfect in a fallen world. Unrealistic expectation, setting you up for personal discouragement. But God will be with you. And he who is with you has the strength to sustain you and help you prevail. And one day, you will win. You will cross the finish line, or Jesus will on the way back. And either way, you win. Either way, you win. Well, let me summarize what we've been talking about here this way. If you and I are going to stay clear-minded while we're experiencing discouragement, and here's the reality. This, this worldview I'm describing here, these beliefs, you and I can, can believe them today and something happened later today or tomorrow that, that rocks it all. And so part of what following Jesus is, is day by day by day, clearing the mind of some of the stuff that fills our minds every day when we turn on the news or we talk to somebody who's not following God or something that's some tragic going on in their life. And, and all those things are, real, I mean, we do live here, so you have to notice that stuff. But the reality is we have to step back and remember who we are, whose we are, where our real home is. And these four biblical beliefs can help us come back to a place of equilibrium and clarity of thought. And these are the four biblical beliefs. I'm a foreigner here because in reality, I'm a citizen of heaven and considering the state of our world, I'm just being realistic to expect that I'm going to suffer some hardship. It's inevitable, but because of God's mercy, because of his trustworthiness, because of his presence and his power, I'm also being realistic to believe that as I go through these trials with God's help, I will prevail. I just need to not give up and not give up. In. So will you believe? I mean, the fundamental question about Christianity, so much of it, is will you believe? And we're not just talking about intellectual assent. We're talking about, will I live in such a way that my belief defines my behaviors, my values? my convictions. If you're suffering in some way, will you let go of the discouragement and will you take a firm grip on the hope that is yours as a follower of Jesus Christ? And if you think to yourself, I'm not sure if I really am a follower of Jesus Christ, Today would be a perfect day for you to look heavenward, every one of us, 
and just say this to Jesus. You can say it with me, Lord Jesus. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Christ, the son of the living God. You came as king of heaven to become king of earth. And right now, I'm surrendering myself to be a citizen of your kingdom because you're good and righteous and virtuous. I want someone like you to be the leader of my life, not some of the leaders that we see around us sometimes. I humble myself and I confess that I'm a sinner. I disappoint myself. I'm sure I've disappointed you. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Fill me. I promise you, friends, if you approach Jesus with that spirit, all of heaven will pause to hear what you're saying. And then let us know. Let us help you follow through on biblical things like baptism, which is sort of like, you know, you get married, you, you get a ring, and you kind of commit your, your, yourself to your spouse. It's really, that's, that's kind of the idea of what, what baptism is. You're just saying, I'm, I'm all in. I'm all in. It's a permanent commitment, not just a passing fad. We can help you with that. But the first step is to look heavenward. And to ask him to fill you. As I prepare to close, I want to ask you this. Do you suppose that everything Jesus understood and believed about life, do you suppose that, that all of what we've talked about this morning, do you suppose he believed and understood all this? I mean, you think this was the worldview that he operated with as king of kings and lord of lords? the one to whom all authority in heaven on earth has been given. Of course he believes everything we just talked about. Everything. That's why he was so filled with hope. Hear me, even as he hung dying on a cross. Because when you're filled with this kind of hope, even when you hang dying on a cross, you know that this is not the end. I mean, does it look bleak? Does it look like the end is near? All those, I mean, it's... It's horrible. Is it unjust? Of course it is. But he was filled with hope. And remember, as he suffered, he prayed for his persecutors. He pardoned a repentant criminal next to him while he was hanging there. While he's hanging there suffering, bleeding out almost, you know, he just, what's he do? He provides for his mother Mary's future as one of his own disciples to look after her in that moment, because that hadn't been taken care of prior to that moment, we could go on. But Jesus could even think of those things as he hung on the cross. Why? Why was he so clear-headed? Why? Because he understood that right now, darkness reigns. Right now, darkness reigns. It's the phrase the scripture uses. Scripture also uses the phrase that the morning is coming. And our God has power to give you strength to prevail. As the darkness eventually gives way to twilight, dawn, or to dawn and daylight, and 
you will prevail. Jesus was clear-minded and faith-filled because he had hope beyond his present circumstances. And friends, that is your inheritance in Christ as well. So I'm going to invite you to stand with me. We're going to close in prayer. And as we wrap up, I'm going to ask God to fill us with this kind of hope, this kind of faith, this kind of strength. Um, you know, some of us are really been really beaten down by things that have gone on. Some of us have got job issues, and it's just like, you know, there is no cash flow, and that's a stressful thing. And some of us have got health issues, and some of us have got other issues, and so this is an opportunity just to reach out your hand like this if you want to, or if you're watching via live stream where you are, just hold your hand out like this, and, and let's pray and see if God doesn't meet you right where you are. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're a God of mercy and might. There is nothing too difficult for you. That You look upon us and you yourself are grieved by the deceit and the self-interest that rules our world. And this was largely why you had to come. This is largely why you had to die. That you might, suffering as you did, rightfully be given the highest place in all of the heavens that trickles down to benefit all of us who are in the flesh. We're so grateful, so grateful for your humility. Would you help us as your children to embrace the same attitude that you have? Would you help us with the Spirit's power to stand as hardship or difficulty or suffering or discouragement or whatever comes our way. We can't do it on our own. But we thank you that with you all things are possible. Would you use your word, Lord, to remind us on a regular basis of the things we talked about today, these fundamental essential beliefs that will help us to be clear-headed whatever happens in our world. And God, as we operate in a clear-headed manner, loving, showing impartiality, helping those who can't help themselves, won't help themselves, God, we'll give you credit for good that happens. We want Christ to be exalted in our lives, whether we live, whether we die, when Jesus comes, for the entirety of our existence, we want Jesus to be exalted because he's worthy of that. Now, would you go with us, help these things to echo and reverberate in our mind and our spirit. Help us to not just agree with them intellectually, but to embrace them pragmatically and experientially. We'll rejoice to be your children and to walk this path together. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Lift this request. Amen. Amen. Bless you all. Bless you all.